Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 25. Uh, They're going to laugh at me. I was going to tell you a time, but I'm just going to get laughed at. If I tell you how fast I'm going to be, but I'm not going to be very long. Not going to be very long. I don't know where this is going to go. I just hope it goes somewhere. Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. And it says this. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened unto ten virgins. This is Jesus giving a parable. Everybody say, this is Jesus giving a parable. He's painting a picture of what his kingdom looks like. He said, the kingdom of heaven shall be likened unto ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. And now five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. Look at the person to your left if you can. Say, which one are you? Go ahead, look at somebody else. If nobody is to your left or to your right, look behind you or in front of you and just ask them and almost wait. Say, which one are you? Those who were foolish took no oil with them and the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps But while Jesus was delayed, everybody said Jesus is the bridegroom. They all slumbered and they all slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard, behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. And then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Let me borrow some of that. Give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. Oil represents anointing. Say oil represents anointing. But the wise answered and said, no, least there should not be enough for us and for you, but rather Go to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. But the door got shut. And afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you neither know the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. You may have your seats. 
I just want to preach from my heart. I want to tell you about this encounter I had a couple of years ago. You come in the services and you're probably wondering, you know, why do they linger so long in worship? Why do they, why do they press the way that they do? Why do they worship the way that they do? Why do they sing the songs that they sing? And about two years ago, this is right before the pandemic hit, I had an encounter with the Lord that forever changed me. I'm not the same person. You know when Moses, he was saying, show me your face, Lord? Because he, because he was insecure. He was a stutterer. And he knew he needed to have something life-changing if he was going to accomplish the will of God. When you look at your life, I had a pastor one time, he said, you're not good enough. He said this to me. He said, you're not good enough. For years I walked away, walked around wounded. I was hurt. Anybody ever had even ministry leaders hurt you? You don't have to raise your hand, but... And as I've thought about it, now that this has been maybe 10 or 15 years, I thought to myself, he's right, I'm not. But the Lord in us is fit for the task. Because he has the ability to make us strong in our weakness. And when you look at your life, and many of us have different challenges. Some of us have marital challenges that they're way bigger than us. You've tried to solve it. it. It cannot be solved in your own strength. And some of us have financial trouble. You've tried to save. You've listened to Dave Ramsey. And you still can't fix it. You have a problem that's bigger than you. And some of you have had terrible things happen to you when you were little. And you've gone to therapy. You've gone to Sozo. Sozo's like inner healing ministry. You've gone to counselor after counselor. You've talked to Susie. You've poured your heart out to her a thousand times. You've talked to John. You've pleaded. You've been through the altar 70 times. But it's still bigger than you. And this is why Moses said, show me your face is because he knew that he could not accomplish the task until Moses had an encounter with God that would forever change him, to empower him, to face what he was about to face. And all of us are facing some kind of challenge. I don't care if you're, you're 15 or 50 or 80 in this room. All of us are facing challenges. All of us. Some of you kids in the room, you're facing challenges with bullying at school. You're facing identity issues. But when you have an encounter with the Lord Jesus, he changes. He doesn't change always the situations. But when you change, your perspective change. And therefore, the sting of whatever it is that you're facing changes. Amen. Does everybody hear what I'm saying? I love this scripture. Because it's telling us about two different Christians. Now, I have to tell you that these are both Christians. Two sets of Christians in this scripture. And we have... Two sets of Christians in this room right now. The wise and not so wise. 
Both of them knew where to find the wedding. Both of them knew where Jesus was. Oh, many Christians know where to find Jesus. How many have Jesus in their heart and life? I know I'm not talking to, this is this church, all of us know Jesus, amen? But this is giving a depiction of what is coming in the coming days. He's saying there is going to come a day when you're going to need more of my anointing and power to face challenges in the days ahead. And if you're not positioning yourself to store the oil, why were they storing oil? Because darkness was coming. Great darkness was coming. What has happened the past two years? You know what Jesus said? He said, I must work while it is light because the hour is coming when no man can work. What if we couldn't meet in this lovely, nice, is it 70 degrees in here? 72? What happens? This is what he's talking about. He's talking to a bride, say, say even though I'm a man, for the men, say, even though I'm a man, I'm a part of the bride of Christ. Yeah, yeah. And for the women, you understand that you have no problem with it. But God is challenging his body. Jesus is challenging his bride in this particular scripture to go into a place of intimacy. It, anointing requires something. Intimacy. Any married man in this room understands exactly what I'm saying. Sometimes it takes more than just showing up. Sometimes it takes taking out the trash. You know, only the married men are laughing. The people who are not married do not understand what I just said. Because some women think that's like the most attractive thing. And then, you know, intimacy sparks when he takes care, take the trash out. He brings a rose. She's like, I don't want the rose. Take the trash out. We don't do it because we like it. We do it because it spawns intimacy. We don't read this beautiful word because we do it because it moves his heart and it brings intimacy with us and the Lord. And this word, the wisdom from it, the scriptures, when it's downloaded on the inside of us, you may not even realize you're being strengthened, but you are being equipped for the days in which are coming. I had the most awesome rebuke from the Lord in this encounter that I had. You're ready. I've been talking. You're like, tell me the encounter. This is what changed me. It changed the way that I preached. I would never get away with my sermons. Never. I've got so many I couldn't even, I don't even know what to do with them. But this changed the way that I preached. It changed the way that I prayed. And I was, I went to church like any other uh, Sunday evening. I go. And for the first time, my wife said, yeah, just go ahead and go. You know, she never says that. She's always like, either she's coming with me or she wants me to stay home with her and the kids and rest for the next day for work. And she said, it was like the Lord touched her heart. I said, hey, I'm thinking about going to church tonight. She said, okay, you stay home. I mean, I'll stay home and you, you go ahead and go. I said, really? I'm like, I know. I said, this has got to be the Lord. So I got to church as fast as possible. It was like I knew an encounter was waiting for me. My wife, my wife does not just, just go. I looked in her coffee. I'm like, smelled it. 
And I get to the church and the air was different. It was different. I don't know how to explain that. The air was different. You ever walk in this room and just sense the air is different? It's just different. I don't know how to explain that. It's different. You can go to church and the Lord not be there. You do know that. And there's no worse place to be. I've been in some services, my God. My Lord, just let the rapture come. Or rapture him. So I get in the room and I'm sitting about the third row back. And all of a sudden my knees begin to buckle. And my heart starts beating really fast. And I I didn't drink any coffee. I'm not a coffee drinker. my, My knees started trembling. And my heart started beating. And I heard these words. They were not audible. Let me just go on record by saying that they were not audible, but they were so strong that they might as well have been audible. And I heard these words, tell my people I am coming. I was like, you know, maybe I can sometimes be theatrical. And so I, I bypassed it. I said, maybe I'm just... But I couldn't get past the feeling that I was feeling in the room. I'm trembling. And I could have bypassed that. Except as when I heard these words within 30 seconds, the song shifts into a song with the lyrics about the second coming of Christ. And I'm like, well, the Bible says that, you know, one time is something, but two times it's established. So we're getting close here, Lord. I wanted to know that I didn't just didn't have like a bad you know, a bad sandwich the night before. But then I leaned over the front of my seat and the lady who was in front of me was no longer in front of me. She was up on the stairs of the the pulpit area crying out to the Lord. And I'm not nosy by any stretch, but for some reason, my eyes went straight down to her open book, diary, pages were open. A shadow seemed to be cast across one side of the page and the other side of it was lit up. I wouldn't say illuminating. And everything I'm telling you is the dumbed down version because I wanted to make sure because sometimes it, uh, exaggerating is like lying. I'm telling you exactly what happened. And a shadow was cast on one side of the page and the right side was lit up. And as God is my witness, it said, Coming. And I felt, I felt the presence of the Lord start to come over me and my knees begin to tremble. And it was like I answered the Lord and I said, yeah, you know, I answered, it's like, it's like uh, me and the Lord were conversing in my mind at this point. And I can't tell you how many times I preached. I preached since I was probably in my late teens or early twenties. So however many years that is, I'm 37 now. And in like a Rolodex in my mind, I think about all these different sermons, all these different hundreds of hours and just all this stuff. And, and I, like a Rolodex in my mind. You know what a Rolodex is? Uh, like the young people, you don't know what a Rolodex is. This is this, it's not like an iPhone. It's definitely not like an iPhone. It's like a, a cards that you, you write addresses and names. 
if you're, you're, you're 50 plus, you definitely know what Rolodex is. It's all people's names and information. And I thought about all these different titles and I can go through them right now of all the little catchy titles. And I believe that many of them were God inspired. And I felt like the Lord show me that. And not one of those sermons, they may have mentioned the Lord's second coming, but at, and that maybe it was at the heart, but I knew I had never warned people of what was coming and reading the scriptures the way that I do, it it was hard for me to know that I'd spent that much time behind a pulpit without exhorting people, without, uh, without encouraging them to live lives that are worthy of, of, of the grace that God has put in our lives. And not only that, but to live in such a way to prepare for what is to come. And this is what this Bible scripture is saying. Get it's, it's talking about storing up because you're going to need something for the coming days. And I knew I was this in, in this encounter and it was like, uh, it was beautiful and fearful all at the same time. It was like, God, thank you for speaking to me this way. But at the same time, I was a little uh, perturbed, saddened because I knew he wasn't telling me that because I was doing a good job at communicating this. And when you look at the world, and and here's what was so shocking about it. God is my witness. When this spoke to me, I walked out of there and I'm thinking to myself, this really did not just happen in my head. And for the next two weeks, I couldn't speak. I literally had no voice. How many remember that? How many were here when I, I literally spoke like this? And my good friend came to see me to bring, he's a, he's a worship leader, good friend of mine. He actually used to lead worship here. He comes to my house. He, he never usually just dropped by. He said, hey, I'm coming over. I'm bringing you Chipotle. I wasn't even sick. Him and his wife came by and they sat down with me and I thought they would just fall off their seat when I told them about this encounter. I felt like, I felt like Joseph in the Bible. Not, you remember Joseph? Uh, you remember John? He couldn't speak when the angel of the Lord declared that Christ, the Christ child was coming, or, or excuse me, John the Baptist was going to be born and he couldn't speak, that's, that was my experience for two weeks. I almost had to cancel the service that Sunday morning. I thought by the next day I could speak. I could not speak. You go back in, this, in the Facebook Live, five weeks before the pandemic, five weeks, five or six weeks, this is what happened to me. Tell my people I'm coming. And my friend came over, he gives me the Chipotle. And he's like, what's wrong with your voice? I said, man, I said, Matt, I said, I've had a visitation from the Lord. He said, what'd he say? And he's had a visitation from the Lord as well. And I said, he just told me to tell his people he's coming. And he just looked at me like a deer in the headlights. He's like, and I'm like, I can't, I can't speak. I can't, I had no other symptoms in my body. And, and why am I telling you this? Because this is such a beautiful picture as we see what's happening in the world today. Let, let me put the scripture in context. Can I do that? To put this in its context, this is Jesus telling a people a parable that's in response to the disciples' question because this Question happened on the Mount of, uh, uh, I believe it was on the Mount of Olives where Jesus was giving the Beatitudes, okay? And here's what it says in just a chapter earlier, Matthew chapter 24. He says this, now as he sat on Mount of Olives, 
the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. So Jesus, this is a response. Say it's a response. Essentially, he's saying this will be the sign. You will see two different types of Christians in the body of Christ. Those who are seeking intimacy with me, seeking closeness, and then there are those who just want to get in. I want to tell you guys something. Your grandmother, as awesome as I'm sure she was, cannot get you in. Do you know that other people's prayers can contribute to the Lord and countering your life and touching your life, but it cannot save you. It cannot save you. Only, only Jesus saves. Only the Lord himself saves. Prayers cannot save. Your attendance here will not save you. Reading your Bible cannot save. The Christian camaraderies You can go to conferences until you're blue in the face and they cannot save you. Only the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the price that was paid on Calvary's cross can save us. And so Jesus is warning. He's saying, hey, there's five wise here. They're the people that are on their face. They're seeking my will. They love me. They love my house. They love my work. They're seeking intimacy with me, not the world. But if we're honest, most Christians want both. They want the world and Jesus. And let me tell you something about this cross. Grab that strong guy. (laughs) Ministers. Ministers, churches, can we pull that out of there? I won't swing it at anybody, I promise. You can leave it there. Thank you. Did you do that, Rick? Somebody who's handy did that. Don't mess with my cross. This is not cheap. This is not cheap. You cannot have him and the world. You can't, there is no Christ and. It's Christ or. Catherine Kuhlman said this. And I understand a degree of this. There's things in my private life I would never say to protect my family, to, but I'll say this. He mentioned private sacrifice. I I know better than anybody else, better than anybody else from where I've, the stuff I've been through, the stuff I've seen from the murder of my dad to growing up and all of these problems and dealing with all of those issues and still mustering up enough strength to say, yes, Jesus, I, will, I don't agree with what I've been through, but I will obey you no matter what out of a love for you, out of a desire to please you because I don't want to hear well. 
You made it. I want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And it's costly. This is costly. Following Jesus is costly. It'll cost you everything. I have to just tell you up front. It'll cost you more than you think it will. It's, it'll cost you everything. But it's worth the cost. It is worth the cost. You know, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, I'll be closing in just a second. I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me this morning, it just dropped, a phrase just dropped in me. You don't have to have this. You can choose comfort over the cross. But you can't have Christ and your comfort. You can have the cross. When I say the cross, I mean Jesus, because he, the cross is Jesus. Jesus is the cross. When we say the cross, I mean Christ. Say Christ. When you, when you say yes to Jesus, when you live for him, when you will die for him, the Bible says there's great reward living for him. Let me ask you something. Has living in your own strength and living out your own desires and your pursuit of whatever it is that you deem success, has that brought ultimate reward? That's why Catherine Kuhlman said it costs everything but it's worth the cost. It'll cost you everything. It'll cost you your friends. It might cost you a few Facebook likes. <gasps> you know, I used to have a lot of friends. A lot of, I mean, not just Christian friends, but like contemporaries, like preacher friends. You start preaching like this, you start losing them. Everybody's okay with you until you don't want to show up at the Halloween party. Then you're religious. No, it's just relational. It's just relational. Say, don't get it twisted. Come on, say it to somebody. It's all about relationship. I would rather stand alone with Christ, with Jesus. You know, some of those people that you hang with, is this too much? Some of those people that you hang with, if you're really, really honest, you enjoy company. It's not that you enjoy them. You don't like them anyway. And they probably don't like you. You find out who really is, am I telling the truth? You find out who your real friends are and your real family are when you, listen, here's how you know you don't really, when you can't be the full you around them, when you can't say who you really are, when you, when you can't disagree with them, when you have to doctor it all up just to, just to remain in fellowship with them, that's how you know you're in toxic relationships. But you live for Jesus, and when you let the Lord crucify some of that stuff in your life, you may start losing them, but you start gaining peace. 
you may lose them, but we have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's what I mean by true peace. You may lose that. You may lose the world. You might even lose a job, but you gain Christ. And when you gain Christ, you gain everything. Matthew chapter 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you. I'm talking about intimacy here. This is, this is, this language that I'm using is, is a challenge to an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the challenge. It goes far beyond a necklace. It goes far beyond an icon or a picture. It goes far beyond all that stuff. This, what I'm talking about, it hits you and pulls you in from the moment you wait, open your eyes in the morning. There's this awareness of him. This, this desire to please him. There's a desire to walk in his footsteps. There's a desire to repent when you say something to someone that you know you shouldn't have said. You're constantly going. You're living at the foot of the cross. It's called relationship. It's relational language. And I have to tell you, church, I have to tell you, Facebook, even for ministers, ministers and church folks alike, distance will not suffice anymore. If we're going to get to where God has called us, if we're going to position ourselves the way that he desires, it's going to cost us and it comes to intimacy. It'll cost you your time. You know when people trying to come get ministry from me? And they're trying to fix everything, fix everything, fix everything. I, I kind of indicated one of my tactics. When people come here and they want to serve immediately, you know what I tell them? Sit down. Just, just, I understand you're gifted. Be quiet. Sit down. Like, I don't care about your gifting. Your gifting will ruin you without the intimacy of, with Jesus. It'll awaken your good stuff and your bad stuff. Did you know that? Gifts will do that to you. When you're only gifted, I'm going to tell you this. Is this okay? Is this all right? Can I, can I go here? The gift without Jesus will ruin you. If there's an inner anointing, that's that keeping anointing that keeps you pure and keeps you holy. Until I see that in an individual, I don't care that you can sing or sing like us white folks like to say. You can sing really good. Sit down. Let the presence of the Lord deal with you and get every little desire that you have that needs to be seen and sit that thing out. Let the presence of God remove that from you and then we can talk. When you don't care about being seen anymore, that's the time for God to expose you. It's intimacy. It's intimacy. Because you know what? What a gift can do. See, did you know God can use you? There's plenty of people I know being used by the, God, by, by the Lord. This is going to be really heavy, what I'm about to say. Look at somebody and say, get ready. Am I going too long? You've seen this. I've seen this. We've seen this. We've seen people highly gifted, and they can cast out a devil. And Jesus not be with them. Jesus has left the building. The building made without hands. And they shall say to me in that day, Lord, didn't I go to church? 
I did inner healing ministry. Cast out demons. Let me quote it so you don't think I'm a pastor that misquotes. And they shall say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not cast out demons? And surely I will say to them, I never knew you. I don't know you. It says that these unwise virgins will come without, listen to this, if you read on down, in Matthew chapter 25. I believe it's in Matthew 25. Maybe it's in Mark. He will go on to say, where is your wedding garment? Where is your garment? Where is your wedding garment? What is that telling me? That on judgment day, and there is a judgment day, judgment for every person. Listen, this name may not be our last day. But there will be a last day for everybody. And it's in your lifetime. Do you understand what I'm saying? If Jesus doesn't rapture us up, you are living in your last days. No matter what. It doesn't matter if you live to 80 or 100. I'm living and you're living in your last day. And when you breathe your last, the scripture says you will stand before the judgment seat and you will have to give an account for everything that you've done, good or bad. This is heavy stuff. And we'll have to give an account and you will have to tell Jesus why you serve the house of the Lord. And that garment is either going to say one or two things. You were his or you weren't. You were in it for them or you were in it for grandma, or you were in it for position, or you were in it for prestige, or you were in it for money, the judgment seat, the Holy Spirit will see through all of that stuff, and he, t and he sees the motive of the heart. The motive. And David got this. King David got it. Somebody say, give me more oil. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm willing to pay the price. This is why David said this. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I go from your presence? If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I fly up on the wings of the morning, you're there. Where can I go from your spirit? Search me, O God. Psalms 129, I believe it is 139. Search me, O God. Try me. See if there's any wicked way in me. You know why you're going through everything that you're going through? For one reason. Can you stand to your feet? There's only one reason. And I close. There's only one reason. You know why we're going through all these attacks? Anybody been attacked lately? Anybody feeling, been, uh, feeling like they've been extraordinarily burdened with something? It's because the Lord is sifting things in our lives. He's removing things. Friendships, relationships, attitudes, behaviors, blind spots. Do you know what he's doing? It's not because he doesn't love us. It's because he does love us. And he's wanting us to wear that robe that will get us in. And it's not out of works. It's by grace. At least any man should boast. Don't get me wrong. It's not out of duty. This is by faith. We come to faith in Christ and we, 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 it's faith alone. Everybody say, it's faith alone that saves me. It's not my own works. 
No, no, no. It's not your own works. But, but your faith is shown by your works. What you believe. What you do shows what you believe. And I believe that the Lord's calling us back to a place of complete intimacy. He's calling us to intimacy. And I pray that in this place. Everybody, every head bowed, every eye closed. I pray for a depth in your relationship with Jesus that you have not known before. I pray that the Lord Jesus himself by the Holy Spirit would bring your heart deeper still. He would put, the Bible says that a cry was heard. Why did they have a cry? Because they had a cry in their heart. They were, they, I pray, Lord, that you would put a cry in the heart of every believer, especially in this season of our lives, a cry that we have not known before, a cry for more of you. Come on, will you help me pray that? Come on, make it personal. Come on, ask the Lord, put a cry in my heart like I've never known before. Jesus, a deeper hunger, a thirst for you like never before, Lord Jesus. And I pray against anything that would hold us back from going deeper still right now. Every stronghold, every addiction, every attitude of the heart, any thought process, Lord, that does not line up with your character, that does not line up with your word, let it be destroyed in our lives. You said in your word, lay aside every weight, Joel, every weight and sin that would so easily beset us or get us out of position. Things that we've loved that, that, things that we've loved above you, Lord. Prestige, pleasure, friends, position, job titles, whatever it might be, Lord, I pray that you would put in the heart of this church in every single person a desire for more of you, Lord. I understand what he meant when he said, whoever, whoever doesn't love mother or father more than me is not worthy of me. It's not because he was saying, don't love mom and dad or, or love your children. He's not saying that. He's saying that your love for me should, should so far exceed anything earthly that it should ma make it look like almost hate. He's, Jesus wasn't saying hate your parents or your family. He's just saying your love in comparison to me should look like so much more. And I pray that for this body, Lord. Lord, let us fall in love with your heart and not your hand. And I, Father, I strip down all idolatry in my own heart and even in this church. Anything that would get elevated above you, whether it be the size of the church, the eloquence of the church, whatever it would be, Lord Jesus, may we all just simply want you and love you more. Come on, you ought to ask him that. Come on, make it personal before we close. Make it personal. Make it personal. When he knows he has your heart, he'll give you anything if he knows that you love him more than anything. He doesn't mind giving you anything as long as your love for him excels everything. Give that to this body, Lord Jesus. Come on, it's okay if you cry out.
It's okay if you lift your voice. We love you, Jesus. Set hearts on fire, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, let your flame so flicker and grow in our heart that it would burn everything else that would come close to our love affair with you, Lord Jesus. Burn out everything, everything. Everything else has to go. Everything else has to go. Yeah, the enemy has been, for some of you, the enemy has been trying to make you fall in love with uh, a mirage, leading you to believe that that will satisfy you, whatever that thing is. Oh, Lord, when anything gets close to our heart that's not of you, let it be burned up in a moment in the name of Jesus. Raise up in this church, in this community, in Orlando, Florida, the state, the United States, and the globe, Lord, as, as things continue to unfold globally, raise up people who are deeply in love with you, hungry for you, hungry for more of Jesus, hungry for the truth, hungry for a revival of truth, hungry for an awakening, hungry for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Hunger, 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 Lord, pour it out, I pray, even in this place. Jesus, position our hearts so that when you pour out the new wine, Lord, we won't spill it on the floor and we won't waste it. We don't want to be wasteful with the wine, the new wine that you want to pour out. That's my prayer for every single person. That's my prayer. That is my prayer. The Holy Spirit, move all over this room right now. Move all over this room. Touch, 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 touch each one. Touch each one. It's caught, it's not taught. It's caught, it's not taught. You can't teach love. Religion can be taught. Love is caught. Let us, your people, catch it and guard it. When we get it, guard it with all of our lives. May it never be able to be prostituted or sold for cheap merchandise. That's my prayer. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.